Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. What is going on? It's episode 51, and it is late on a Sunday night, five hours after the March Madness Selection Show. Best time of the year. Super excited. And Shani and I spend the last hour, basically, breaking down the bracket and giving our thoughts on uh, what we think. Um, you know, we're not NCAA college basketball experts by any means, but we both watch a lot of basketball, and we both have a perspective that I think uh, hopefully is worth your time. And uh, more importantly, we try to give you some names throughout the, the the conversation of players that we think you should make time to watch, really from the hobby perspective. Which players we think entering next season would be someone that you should really pay attention to and that will probably have significant impact in the hobby. So definitely pay attention to that. Uh, but again, we break down those regions. We talk about the games that we think are most interesting, some of the scenarios and the storylines that stick out to us. More importantly, we talk about, at the end of the podcast, the contest that we have for you listeners and followers. We're pretty excited about this, and we're super thankful to the six different breakers that stepped up and provided gift cards for the prizes for our bracket contest. Top Shelf Breaks, Crack and Wax, Mojo Break, Buck City Break, Prestige Worldwide, and 702 Breakers. You guys are amazing. Thank you so much for uh, for helping to support Breaker Culture and helping to make the Breaker Culture March Madness Bracket Contest super, super intriguing. So listen for the details of that um, towards the back end of the podcast, and you also find all the details on social media as well. But I do want to say real quick, we had the brackets for about an hour and a half, two hours after they came out. We spent a little time breaking it down as best we could. Just keep in mind that uh, things will probably change. But we wanted to give you some nuggets to think about, some hopefully some educated opinions that will get you get you started on your bracket. But uh, I will just say, uh, tune into Breaker Culture later this week. We'll have a, a follow-up podcast to some thoughts, some questions that we had hit Twitter um, earlier this week that we thought warranted a well thought out response uh, from Wicked Liquids MJ, uh, and I think it is good for us to pick back up the conversation around football card market and kind of how the hobby has responded. And uh, so, yeah, I, th- I think it's I think that'll be really good. So, tune in later this week. We also have the interview with Prestige Worldwide and Ethan coming out that I think uh, you'll find interesting. So, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show, and be sure to enter the contest. Uh, so we can trash talk you and uh, have some fun. Later. Shani, how you doing, man? Sunday night. It is the best time of the year, in my opinion, Ty. <laughs> I am, despite being super tired, having had a long weekend and having a busy week that I'm preparing for. Yeah. I am really pumped because I think you and I both probably were glued to the TV for the last couple hours, taking in the whole bracket show and oh my gosh. the bracket breakdown. And then 
printing our brackets and breaking it down ourselves. This is I just love doing this. I was trying to think about it as I was talking to my 12-year-old about it because he is at the point where he loves doing this with me, even though he doesn't really contribute. Um, I've been printing out a bracket and breaking it down on this Sunday night for more than than 25 years at this point. Yeah. I am, uh, I'm about with you. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can think of like little pockets of years where I can remember certain teams and certain games where as a kid, (laughs) like I would get latched on the teams and I would just get emotionally hooked. It's just, it's amazing. There's like a lot of memories tied to this time of year. So I love it. My kids are into it now. I got a, the ten-year-old and the eight-year-old are both. Um, I mean, my ten-year-old's basically watched games the last three days and has taken notes. He's been taking notes on teams, wow, preparing for the bracket. Cool. Yeah, so he uh, when the brackets we watched the March Madness selection so tonight and both both kids were they were uh, within about thirty minutes of it coming out. They had their brackets filled out confidently. Wow. <laughs> so wow, they know their stuff then, huh? They do. They well, well, yeah. To a, to the to a certain extent for sure, but but anyway, yeah, I'm excited to dive into this with you because we're gonna we're gonna we're breaking this down into a couple couple elements. One, let's give our observations. Let's let's go into the regions and talk about what we think. Um, we have a really really exciting contest to talk about. Thank you to the multiple sponsors that have stepped up to uh, give gift cards, and we'll explain that towards the end. And then uh, you and I both took a stab at the five or six players that we both think are absolutely must watch when it comes to prospects for the NBA draft next year, which again, we're collectors and this is a hobby show. So I want to give you something to to kind of mark your calendars for during the the brackets. So let's start with, uh, let's start with initial, initial observations, kind of what stood out to you, any snubs, any, anything that's kind of glaring as you look at your bracket. You know, I, one of the things that stood out to me about what you just mentioned in terms of snubs is that not I don't I don't feel like there were any schools out there that really had such a strong claim for having been snubbed. I felt like in the past I was upset about a school or two that they should have considered versus one of you know as a mid major. Usually it's a mid major that may have not had as strong a schedule but played really well and had a great record versus you know, an ACC, SEC, Big 12 type of school, Big East even, that's getting seven or eight teams. And that seventh or eighth team really probably was teetering and they got the edge for whatever reason. Right. <clears throat> I don't feel that. I, don't, I really don't feel that way this year, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be because I'm not paying as close attention. I'm sure there are schools and there are fans of those schools that are upset. But, uh, you know, you always kind of laugh. If you were really on that last four out list, wouldn't you? Uh, what, what, a, what were your chances? And B, weren't, aren't you really going to be better off playing in the NIT and having a chance at something? That's... I've always <laughs> wondered that. You know, like, what what is it about the accolade of just making it? Is that all you care about? Just mm-hmm. making the tournament? Sure. What, to go and lose by 20 in the first round? I, mean, yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. So I I guess the other part of that statement is I care a lot less about that conversation when I, as as opposed to years past. Mm-hmm. I would agree. It, yeah, it, I I feel like this year was, was Pitt, yeah. You know, go ahead. 
Oh yeah, if, if it was a, if it was one of your local teams, of course, the team that you cared about, yeah, you, you, you then you care, right, right, yeah, right. It, it was much more predictable this year. I felt. You yeah, know, I, I I feel like every year there's at least those one or two teams where they're kind of the, the hosts are kind of you know Clark Kellogg is extremely anxious to ask you know the commissioner about why this team was snubbed, but this year you even watched the show and it was kind of like eh. A lot of mid mid major teams made it, and I, we kind of see why. <laughs> so it was it was kind right. of nice actually. I didn't all the drama was not there. So why bother with it? You know, it's it's like I'm glad that the Cal- Clark Kellogg's of the world are also like maybe maybe they're realizing it's kind of a stupid conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But who knows? As far yeah. as storylines go, mm-hmm. I have to say. There is one that I think is kind of, not even kind of, I, I I find it dramatic enough to be compelling and really want to potentially watch close. And that's a first-round matchup in the East between number seven, Louisville, and 10, Minnesota. The Patino War? Yeah. yeah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. The Gophers are coached by... Rick Pitino's son. I forget his first name. You probably know it. No. I try okay. to forget the Pitino family. And then Louisville is obviously no longer coached by Rick Pitino as he was fired for however many number of transgressions over the years. I'm not even sure what particular issue got him fired in the end. But that's an interesting thing. You have to imagine that the son has a little bit of a, you know, I don't know, bug in his head about, uh, I got to go and beat this squad, you know, to avenge my father. (laughs) I think, honestly, especially as it pertains to first round matchups, because those are the ones they can control the most, that the tournament committee pays attention to these kind of storylines and tries to put them together as much as they can. Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah, I mean, why not? Yeah, why not? It's good media fodder, you know. Yeah, yeah. for sure. There's a reason why Kansas and North Carolina are typically in the same side of the bracket every year, because the 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 Roy Williams Kansas Jayhawks story just never gets old, and it's really really easy to do. Yeah, I agree. Right. So okay. I thought I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So I'll be watching that game for sure. Yeah, no, I I think the the couple things that stood out to me as the bracket was released. Number one, I thought, mm, there's just no way Duke doesn't walk into the Final Four. Um, yeah, there, there I mean, wasn't I a think... massive roadblock. I mean, the fact that you had Liberty getting a lot of uh, airtime as a potential Sweet Sixteen candidate, I'm thinking Luke. I mean, Duke versus Liberty. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but uh, the the other thing that stood out to me was found in the same. Yeah, bra- go ahead. All I was going to say is in that same bracket, you've got Yale, mm-hmm. who is involved as a school in this whole scandal with respect to celebrities and wealthy, you know, one percenters paying off schools to get their kids in versus LSU who just fired their coach Will Wade to schools amidst a certain controversy that have to face each other. 
That no, is I funny. I think that potentially creates a situation where a number 14 seed has the chance to potentially beat a number three seed. If Will Wade is truly not going to be coaching, which obviously we, we he's not going to be, and Yale is one of those Ivy League schools that plays with it itself and has a good system. Um, you know, we've seen Ivy League schools come in and win a game or two yeah. in this tournament. So it's it's not necessarily a situation where I'm recommending to anybody to put put a lot of money on Yale, but. <laughs> You know, when it comes to filling out a bracket, if you're not advancing LSU very far, it's pretty easy to pick an upset here. Mm. Yeah, that's that is an interesting dynamic. I didn't think about that. The uh, I guess from the Yell's perspective, what the cheerleaders are going to be the ones that are in jeopardy, <laughs> right? Right. It's all those. Uh, it's all the females that they 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 snuck into the school. <laughs> but or or that kid that was supposed to play basketball. And that's how he got into Yale through amidst this scheme, mm-hmm. but really was never a basketball player. Right. That right. Kind of, that, those those kids are the ones that should have to play this game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I tell you what, I I did have the opportunity to watch LSU play many many times this year because of the SEC, and um, even with I mean, deserve a three seed. Well, they're they're a really good team. Let's just say that. I mean, they got some players. I mean, Tremont Waters and Naz Reed are two legitimate prospects, and I think uh, they're not going to have a hard time when they're when they're on. They're really tough to beat. I mean, they 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 have, they played with Tennessee and Kentucky and Auburn and those guys, and they 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 handily won the division. I mean, they won the conference, so it's a pretty impressive team. But I was going to say the other game that stuck out to me when the brackets came out was. Um, was Marquette and Murray State? Yeah, I, I'm a I'm a big big Murray State. That's fan. a twelve five, right? It is. Yeah, Marquette's a five, and Murray State's a twelve. There's always at least one, if not two, twelve five upsets. First of all, yeah. Did you hear that stat? They said seventy five percent of March Madness tournaments have had one twelve beat a five, at least one twelve beat a five. Yeah, I mean, if you would have asked me to guess, I would have said every year there's at least one. So obviously it's not to that extent. But yeah, that's still crazy high. Yeah, insane. Insane. I mean, but but Marcus Howard is crazy so good. Marcus Howard's incredible for Marquette. Mar- Marcus Howard plays for Murray State. Uh, Mar- he plays for Marquette. And then Murray State has Ja Morant. And he's, what, number three prospect right now on draft boards? And I and I've watched him. I've made a point to watch him play at least five times this year, and he is and one of the best guards once. I've seen play college basketball in the last decade. Really, he wow. is that's quite... incredibly talented. He's got every possible skill you'd want in a guard. He's six three. Um, he's got court vision. He's got the handles. He's got incredible passing ability. He can hit the three. He can sky and dunk over people. He's just the all around wow. guard. Uh, so I, I, I cannot he's wait. One of the guys that you're putting on a list, short list of guys to watch. Then he is number one on my list. You know they they play uh, the 21st. So what is the 21st? That's the Thursday games, right? So he plays at 3:30 uh, Central on Thursday. And if uh, I mean you, you need to, you need to find time to watch that game. Period. <laughs> <laughs> period. Just gotta watch it. Uh, it's kind I'm, of a bummer uh, too because one of those two players is gone. You know, 
one of those two players is guaranteed right. to lose. So, unfortunately. Right. So. Very interesting. I have yeah. just have to say, as a side note, Marquette is one of these schools that I don't really get how tucked up in Milwaukee mm -hmm. as a school that, aside from basketball, really has never made itself a name for itself for any other reason. Um, yeah, has been part of the Big East, but has also been part of smaller um, mid-major conferences in the past. If you look at their past 20 years, they have put out some of the best pros we've ever seen. It's un it's uncanny how many great pros they've put out there into the league. Starting, I, I, I it probably doesn't start with, but in my mind, it starts with Dwayne Wade. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'd Jimmy say so. Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler. Uh, Dominic James was the most recent one I can think of, but I don't think he did so well, right? That was what five years ago. I, I think we all thought he was going to do much better. Yeah, Wesley Matthews was legit. Wesley Matthews, yes. Yeah, and there there are others. Um, we're probably not going to be able to come up with all of them, but yeah, it's just one of those programs that I don't know how they do it, but they seem to always have a pro. And for my, just as an aside as well, when I'm looking at this, I'm always trying to figure out whether or not a given team has legit pro potential. And that is what kind of guides me in terms of picking certain sure. winners, if you will, and, and moving teams forward. Because just like in the NBA, where you say just about every champion has two to three legit top-level all-stars, so too in the college ranks, just about every championship team has one to two to even three future NBA professionals right. in its ranks. So I think that's, that's always indicative of success as it, you know, and it seems to, you know, be an obvious thing to say, but there are also a lot of programs out there that people follow and seem to, you know, really get behind that mm. don't necessarily have that pro mm -hmm. on a given year. You know, there are years where North Carolina has a good season, but they don't necessarily have that pro right just yet. Yep. Um, Yep, for sure. So, yeah, just as just as a uh, as a guiding statement, if you will, for some folks that might be listening, for a bit of advice, you got three days to fill out your brackets, however many you're doing this year. That just may be one of those things you keep in mind. Yep. Yep, no doubt. All right, let's let's start with the region here. Let's uh let's let's All pick right. let's pick the South. Let's start with the South. Virginia's the one seed. Okay. Tennessee's the two seed. What um. Maybe what game's a must-watch game for you, and and uh, give me a sleeper team in that in that region that you're pretty excited about. I don't know if I have a must-watch game, but and, and it's a weird thing to say this, but I'm going to anyway. A team that was as recently as last year a champion, and are the Big East regular season and tournament champions this year. Mm -hmm. But being that they're a lower seed. I'm still calling Nova a sleeper because I don't think many folks are going to be pulling Nova out of this mm -hmm. bracket to make it to the final four. Yep. So for that sake, I'm going to call Villanova a sleeper and a team that I think in 
a bracket with one of the if if you if you had to say it one of the weaker ones in my opinion. I mean Virginia's good. I'm not saying they're not deserving of the one seed, um, but also just as a bracket as a whole, this doesn't look like the toughest one. Um, but yeah, so so Nova's my sleeper. I don't know that I have a, a singular game that I'm like really that excited about. Okay. Well, I'll throw one out there for you to consider. Uh, Wisconsin-Oregon, to me, stands out as one of those games that could be really interesting. Oregon, first off, Pac-12 is terrible. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They're bad. They're a bad conference this year, and I think everyone – it's easy to jump off the bandwagon of those teams like the Oregons and the Washingtons, but, uh, I mean, they just basically ran through the tournament, and, and they're a hot, hot team. And Wisconsin, to me, I mean, I've watched them play a couple times this year. And it's just a, it's a Big Ten team, and I just have a feeling that it could be really interesting. There's, they're conflicting styles, and Ethan Happ. That is very true, and that you know, usually makes for a good matchup. Yeah, so I'm really interested to see if the if they can if Oregon can kind of continue the momentum they have and, and upset a number five. That might be the twelve five that is most intriguing to me, honestly. I heard the guys talking on the show, you know, of UC Irvine running against Kansas State. Kansas State's not going to have Dean Wade, yep. which is their their power, their small forward, power forward guy. Um, so that's interesting. I'll have to check in UC yeah, Irvine a little bit. UC Irvine has a lot of mm-hmm. senior leadership. You know, one of these typical mid-major teams that has yep. had the chance to build a good program over four years. And yeah, this is their run, you know. So winning one or two games is like their championship, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, so that'll be interesting. I mean, Kansas State is such a good defensive team. That's what I don't people that don't watch the Big Twelve. I mean, Kansas State is a, is one. That's the top ten nationally ranked defense. I mean, they just suffocate teams. So that that'll be the tough thing for UC Irvine to overcome. But who who do you have coming out as your uh, as your elite eight? Who's going to make the Sweet Sixteen from this bracket? Virginia gonna, is going to is going to skate by. I'm assuming. Yeah, I'm taking chalk there. Um. I am actually advancing Irvine. I didn't know that about Kansas State, quite honestly. I just kind of went with the hype because I didn't I, I didn't know much about either team. Um, but I'm a Big East guy. Even though Pitt is now in the ACC, I still love the old Big East and the Big East teams that still, you know, remind me of those years. Mm-hmm. So I'm riding Nova. I'm going with Nova hard here. Interesting. It's more of an emotional pick. I yeah, totally, totally. Well, that, it'll be interesting to see how they respond to play against St. Mary's. St. Mary's, who just, I mean, ran off Gonzaga pretty the, easily last week, or this past week. So, that'll be yeah, a fun Yeah, I, I heard about I didn't see it. I heard mm-hmm. about it. And St. Mary's has been a good squad. I mean, ever since Patty Mills breathed yeah. life into them. Right. Uh, a decade ago, however long ago that was. Was that Della Vadova, um, too? That's right. It yeah, was two like... Australian guards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's more of an emotional pick and not okay. being really excited about anything in this bracket other than chalk and I guess you know in keeping with our conversation about guys to watch, obviously DeAndre Hunter. I'm excited to watch him. But other mm-hmm. than that. Yeah, I'm with you. I got I got Virginia, Oregon, Purdue, Tennessee, and I got Virginia walking out there pretty easily in Final Four. But yeah, for players to watch, you got to watch DeAndre Hunter play for Virginia. I mean, you got to watch Kyle Guy play too, but he's 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 a second round draft pick at best. 
DeAndre Hunter is a top 10 pick for Virginia. And he's a stud. So, um, and by the yeah, way. I'm sorry. It, I, I was writing notes. I'm, I'm just going gonna to be stealing some info from you, by the way. Uh, nice. <laughs> T- Tennessee, have you, have, you, have you watched them play this year? I really have only watched one game, and it was one of those preseason tournament games, so it's hard to take a lot from that. Okay. You know, for obvious reasons, I missed a lot of this season. Yeah. And I'm catching up basically on listening to the pundits and reading some notes here to try to fill the voids in my knowledge gap. Okay. But, uh, you know, uh, typically I watch a lot more than I did. But, yeah, it's been a, obviously a weird year. Yeah, no doubt. So, so Tennessee – I mean, they were basically ranked number one for half the season. I do remember that. They got the SEC Player of the Year, Grant Williams, who's one of those like six, eight, really uninspiring players, but he does it all and he puts up 20 a game. (laughs) And then they got... Why do you say uninspiring? Because he's just just very methodical in what he does. He's not, you know, extremely athletic. He's just very productive and he does all the right things. Uh, he's He's the guy that you just want on your team. You know, um, he, he's very much like a Draymond Green, right? Where he just passes well. He does the right things, you know, <laughs> to keep his, his his team mentally engaged. He scores the right he, – he, he takes over the right times. He scores the right baskets. He's, he's just a great player. Okay. Okay. But uh, Jordan Bone, their guard, is – he's I believe he's a sophomore this year. He kind of just exploded this year. He's extremely athletic. And – uh uh, I would just be careful. Tennessee is one of those teams that I, I mean, they could win the national championship. I mean, they're just that good. So I, I'm really, really excited to see how Since they. Since their controversy with their previous coach, whose name is escaping me, who they had to fire, Bruce Pearl. Mm-hmm. Who's their coach now? Um, Rick Barnes. Rick Barnes is the coach. That's right. Yeah, yeah. He's a good, he's a good one. He's, he's a great coach, yeah. I think it's what, season four for the Rick Barnes? Season Four or five, and yeah, it's just like it's just he's hitting his stride, and it's uh, that's just a good team. So uh, Virginia Tennessee to me is a, is a no brainer. So yeah, taking chalk unfortunately, but those are two good teams. You say it's the weaker of the you know one twos. I actually think it's probably the better of the one twos from my perspective. So anyway, yeah, yeah, um, Virginia arguably could have um, been the number one overall seed. Right, I think if if Duke loses to UNC, I think Virginia's number one overall. In fact, they were number two overall. So, right. And but, I, I, by the way, my commentary about it wasn't necessarily that it's the weaker of the one twos, more just the weaker bracket overall. But gotcha. You know, you make okay. obviously a strong point about Tennessee. Um, I can't give anybody the one seed beyond the overall one beyond Duke. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't I think anybody can make that argument. I hear you. But yeah. Let's so move south, on. Let's, let's, moving on. Let's, move to, let's move to the east then. Let's move to the east and talk yeah. about who I in think the, you can, who's going to give them a challenge. I just don't see it. Yeah, no, exactly. I was basically going to say, I think you can encapsulate it in one sentence. Duke wins the east. <laughs> <laughs> um Michigan State is a good team come tournament time, typically. I think Izzo is one of the best tournament coaches. But with, I know, a loss of a player earlier today in the Big Ten. Uh, was it the cha- they, they lost in the championship, right? They won the championship. Or no, yeah. they won the championship. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Um, but still, 
lost in terms of having lost a player. I can't remember. Aaron's? Yep. Yep. Kyle Aaron's, yep. Ultimately, even if they hadn't, I don't see them getting past Duke. They might have given Duke a little bit more of a sweat. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and after Michigan State, I would argue that Virginia Tech is a solid squad, beat Duke, although it was a Zion Williams and less Duke. <laughs> right. Um, and, and and don't get me wrong, I think Virginia Tech, for those uh, fans out there, I mean, I, you got a good squad. I, I, I really like your coach. However, this is one of those years that Duke is going to be a powerhouse that's just going to run through. Yeah. And this is, I think, probably as the number one overall one deserves the thinnest and shallowest field to run through to get to the final four. Yep. I, I completely agree. I mean, I, I look at it from the perspective of which, which teams have the athleticism and the talent to even hang with a Duke. And, and like, really, I think there's only two teams. I think Virginia tech has the talent, you know, multiple NBA players that, are on the team and they've beat Duke before. I, granted, Zion wasn't playing. And LSU, LSU's got all kinds of turmoil. Their coach isn't playing, isn't coaching. Uh, they're probably going to miss one of their three top prospects. So you can kind of count them out. And Virginia Tech, I mean, again, they're <laughs> Duke's going to have a chip on their shoulder when they play Virginia Tech, and it's not going to be pretty. That's know? a good point. Having lost to them, they're going to yeah. be wanting to prove a point in that game. If that even is a game, we we assume it will be. But yeah, yeah. right. So so Virginia Tech's got to play St. Louis. Um, okay, <laughs> all right. So Virginia by the Tech. way, there was a player that I was thinking about from Michigan State that they lost at some point earlier in the year, and it's Langford, I believe. So that is another player from earlier in the year that went down and is still down. Interesting. Okay, and he was one of their top two or three players. Hmm. Now they've done whatever they've done this year since that loss without him. Right. Including winning the conference tournament. But, uh, yeah, I mean, should be interesting. I think uh, we agree. Yeah. We, we agree. Duke wins the East. <laughs> the 12, five matchup to me is really, really intriguing. Um, one of my best friends from, from grade school, basically, um, is the sports director out at Liberty. And he's been telling me all year oh. that Liberty is is a team to watch. And they won their tournament. They got in. And, and uh, when, when they drew Mississippi State, he texted me a couple hours ago and said, they're, I mean, this is a perfect matchup for Liberty. You know, they defend well. They shoot the three well. They're just an all-around solid team. And Mississippi State is so hit or miss that that, that, that 12. And there's a reason why. Again, on the March Madness show, Liberty was getting all kinds of praise as an easy sleeper pick. So watch them, but it, yeah, the yeah, athletes are twelve five. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but other than that, it's, I see. I mean, LSU, Yale. We've already talked about it. It looks like a really fun game to watch, and the, the storyline between Louisville, Minnesota. Okay, sounds fun. Yep. But other than that, yeah, definitely reasons to be interested. Yep. <clears throat> yeah, no doubt. As far as players, I think it goes without saying we're going to agree and everyone in the world is going to agree. Zion, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, okay, of course. Um, I have one other player to mention. I don't mm-hmm. know if you have any others out of the East, but mm-hmm. uh, we've already talked about Michigan State, so Cassius Winston mm-hmm. is legit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where he kind of slots into the... I mean, he's a, what, middle, second rounder probably? Yeah. That'd be my guess. And I, would you agree that that's because of his size? Yeah, I, mean, I think so. I think so. Even just watching him today. If I was an inch taller and 20 pounds heavier, it might be different. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think the other player in that region that is is, is potentially a lottery pick is, is Nikel Alexander from Virginia Tech. So so keep an eye on him. He's gonna really? Be, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's – watch him. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to get the yeah, chance to watch him because they're going to probably play Duke. But, yeah, I mean, he put the team on his back basically the last two months. Nikhil so. Alexander. Nikhil Alexander. Yep. So anyway, let's let's move on to the West. Gonzaga's the number yep, one. Michigan's the number two. Um, again, I already talked about Marquette, Murray State being one of those games where I think is much must watch. What what's exciting to me, and again, kind of frustrating, is that Florida State was the team I kind of earmarked going into Selection Sunday as the team that I think could absolutely wreck brackets. Incredibly athletic. Um, they're experienced. They kind of went through this last year as a young team, and now they're just they're just a solid veteran team, and they can defend and run with anybody in the country. Um, I mean, I think they could easily run to the Final Four. They could run through Gonzaga, and they could run through whoever the the bottom part of that bracket is. But those two games the stand out to me. The bottom part of the bracket is Michigan. Michigan, Nevada, Texas Tech. Those are the teams. Yeah. Nevada's dangerous. I, Tech is I, dangerous. I haven't seen them much, but having – I mean, they did beat Duke or at least took Duke far. Is, isn't that correct? You're talking about Florida State, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They beat Duke or – did they beat Duke this year? Um, Weren't they one of – I want to say they did. Losses, right? Yeah, yeah. Duke I'm has, pretty sure they did. Five total losses. Yeah, so I'm I'm almost certain that that's that they gave Duke one of their losses. Yeah, and it may right. have been during that period of time that Zion was out, but mm-hmm. that that in part says a lot right there. Right. Um. I've seen them play sparingly, but Florida State seems to be one of those teams that's always super athletic, mm-hmm. super long, super fast. Leonard Hamilton just knows how to recruit for the type of style of game he wants his teams to play. Yep. And even in down years, they still have one of those teams that everyone's afraid to play in the tournament. Right. And this happens to be a year where they're more talented. So I, I, I happen to agree with you. I did watch Michigan play a little bit. Um, they've got a couple of nice players. Yeah. I think B-line is like I kind of just mentioned a few different coaches as we've been going through this, I think Beeline is one of those coaches that just is always very well prepared. He always has his teams ready to go. I mean, Michigan is coming off of a recent championship game, right? right? And yeah, they lost a little bit, but not a ton. I mean, they lost Mo Wagner. They lost, uh, I can't remember who else, but Jordan Poole is still there. And there's there's a, one of those prospects out there for you. I don't know. I don't know yeah. really where he slotted first or second round. He's he's got to be closer to the higher end of the first round. Yeah, I think him and Charles Matthews are kind of similar. Probably right near beginning of second round. Be my guess. That'd be my guess. I don't know. I haven't looked in those two guys, but yeah, those are good names. Agreed. Yeah, I mean the uh, selection on the selection show when they interviewed the commissioner from Stanford, he said. 
Michigan and Michigan State were both being considered for number one overall, number one seed. So that I mean that says oh, a lot really? about yeah that says a lot about both the Absolutely. teams, but also I mean it's tough it's tough out. I mean when a guy like that says something like that, is he ta- who's he talking about bumping? I mean was it the Zags because they're a mid major and don't have the schedule? Was um, it Virginia? Yeah. It, I, I, mean, I think you, I can't see that. Yeah, I think it, no, Virginia for for sure not because they were the number two overall seed. But but North Carolina, right. I think was, I think they were probably struggling with having three ACC teams as an, as number ones. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so, but but anyway, yeah. So Michigan, I can tell you the last time they when when I was actually I wasn't in college. I was I was well into my career. But when Pitt was a top three seed. And the Big East, actually, they were a one, and the Big East had three number one seeds. It was a year that not even one Big East team made the final game. That was rough. It'll be interesting if that, I don't, I don't see that as a possibility. I can see an all ACC finals here. Yeah, for sure. I could too. Might not be what I'm picking, but I think the talent <laughs> is clearly there. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I I will say – talk about some names coming out of the West? Well, I will just say Texas Tech. Again, they – Yeah. They, they, for those that haven't watched the Big 12, Texas Tech is a team that you just don't sleep on them. Yeah. I mean, they're a three seed, and they're going to – I mean, they're going to play Northern Kentucky and probably Buffalo. Um. I mean, they should don't be. sleep on Buffalo, by the way. Yeah, for sure. Everyone keeps talking about Buffalo, but but Texas Tech, and, and we talk about names. My second favorite name in the and in, in this tournament is a guy named Jarrett Culver, six foot six shooting guard, sophomore. Is, I mean, I would not doubt he gets drafted seven or eight, maybe even higher, five or six. He, I mean, he's he's that good. There's that that much hype building for Jarrett. Culver. He's the Big Twelve Player of the Year. Uh, nice. So, big time name. Who's the last Texas Tech player to make a splash in the NBA? I don't think I have the answer for that trivia question. Well, it's going to be Zaire Smith. Uh, right. Once he's healthy <laughs> and playing. Yeah. But this, uh, J- Jared might get there before he does. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, who do you got coming out of that? Out of the West. Out of the West, I went chalk. I actually am giving the Zags a chance. I think they have two legit NBA players. Mm-hmm. Um, Hachimura. And Ryu, I don't know how to pronounce their names. I, I, I guess Hachimura is an easy one to pronounce. I don't know how to pronounce his first name. Is it Rui? Ryu? Ryu? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not trying to make fun of it at all. I have a really weird name, but... Um, and then Brandon Clark. I don't know if you think somebody is, – is Brandon Clark the second best player on that squad? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so I went chalk here. Plus I, I, I think the Zags for me is that team I've always wanted to see succeed. I don't know why. I think in every sport where I have – where I'm a fan of my team or – uh, I've always been a conference guy. Like I said before, I'm, I'm really a Big East guy. I'm transitioning into being an ACC guy. But I was always, I've always had a team, Let's like for example, in the NFL, in the NFC. I've always had a team in the NFC. 
<clears throat> I've always had a team in the AL being that I'm a Pirates fan in the NL. Mm-hmm. So the Zags have kind of for over a decade now been that team out West that I've kind of wanted to see succeed. So I, I guess you can kind of see a theme brewing here. Yeah. A lot because I'm not nearly as adept and knowledgeable this year, having watched so little, a lot of my picks are a lot more emotional. I bet you I do better this year than I've ever done. <laughs> Those years where I know so much more and I think, oh yeah, this is the year where I'm right clearly gonna get, you know, uh, all sixty four games in the first round correct. You know? <laughs> or teams, I should say, thirty two games. Um but yeah, I mean, it's Fair hard not to go chalk when you don't know as much. Yeah, no, I get it. Um, okay, so you, you know, got you got the Zags versus Michigan. Is that what you're saying? Is that what your gut's telling you now? I did not go Michigan at the bottom of the half. Um, I, my, I'm, I, as I was as we're talking, my bracket is not printed. I'm going off my phone, so I got to pull that back up. So you go Michigan, Nevada, Texas Tech, or Buffalo in that bottom. Oh, half. I went Texas Tech. Okay, I went Texas. Tech. Okay. Yeah. So, so I'm, I'm kind of with you. I, I went. I was swayed by the uh, by the guys on ESPN doing the post bracket. Oh, nice. Analysis. Nice. The one was talking Texas Tech. Oh, gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Rightfully it. so. Rightfully so. I uh, I'm running with the Zags playing Florida State in the Sweet 16 and Florida State winning, and then Texas Tech beating Michigan State. But I think Florida State makes makes the Final Four. So nice. Florida yep. State in the Final Four. Yeah, I, I, you know, my, I think one of those things that people mm-hmm. often want to do is go a bit unique because so many brackets end up being so similar. And I think Florida State is one of those teams that's re- like very possibly a unique pick. But how often is your unique pick also a really good team? Yeah, I think that's a that's a potentially really good pick for winning brackets this year. Is what I'm trying to get at. I like it. Thanks for validating me. I really appreciate that. Ah, no problem. <laughs> uh, and the good thing about the West is that you got you got a couple names in there that are NBA ready and are worth watching. Again, John Morant, Jarrett Culver, absolute must watches. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, let's let's switch over to the last region, Midwest uh, region. North Carolina is the one seed. Kentucky's the two seed. KU's the four seed. It's kind of laughable. We got Houston as a three seed. It's really funny, but it's kind of like you got the three power, the power three, and then you got Houston as the three seed. <laughs> I guess when you have three losses as a yeah. major as team, it's hard not to throw you there. But it, it is rough. The last time they had a guy on that squad that was worth. That kind of seed was uh, five slam pajama. Oh yeah, it's yeah. been a long time. No kidding. <laughs> um, Andre, where quarterback, not a basketball player. Holy moly! Um, Coming into the dusting off the dusting off the shelves here. No kidding. So let's let's talk about I the uh, Midwest. What do you offered by the way? Yeah, the thing with Wofford though is every time they've played a quad one team, they've lost. Yeah, you know, so I mean, yeah, and they have what's his what's his name? I'm drawing a blank. Their um, their three point sharpshooter. Gosh darn. Um, 
I think when he led, like, he was top three in three-point shooting percentage. It was insane. But, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how they... Speaking of three-point sharpshooters, and I don't mean to, like, not try to follow the path that you have set for this conversation, but I didn't catch much of Auburn this year. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, because I really... Well, I didn't catch much of anything this year, but I kind of liked Bruce Pearl as a coach. I was a little teed off with Tennessee when they got rid of him. I thought he was snubbed. But anyway, I digress. I watched a little bit of Auburn over the last couple weeks, and they've got a point guard that can shoot the lights out. Mm-hmm. I don't know his name. I, I was Bryce trying Brown. to figure it out. Yep. But I had Bryce Brown. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He can shoot. He looks like he's 12 years old. Yep. He looks like he's probably only about 5'8". <laughs> yeah, right. No, he's, uh, he's but, a stud. That, that team is... So dangerous. I can't wait to talk about him here in a minute. Well, just, we can talk about By the way, Fletcher McGee is the guy from Wofford. That's just an incredible three-point shooter. Okay. Um, yeah, so to me, that's what stands out immediately is the as Auburn as a five seed. Uh, I mean, they're so hot right now. Hansel, they're right. so hot right now. In other words, this is not where you're getting your 12-5 upset. Uh, well, I, New Mexico State. Yeah, I know. The funny thing is, though, I mean, again, I think it's just the – it's the right thing to say as a commentator, as the talking head, but everyone they, right. they immediately gravitated towards the New Mexico State man. I'm telling you, that's a tough matchup for Auburn because <laughs> they guard the three <laughs> well. But I, I, mean, I mean, on some level, they also have to sell every game. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, you know. But I, I watched Auburn a ton. You watched them. That team right now is a team that I I would not want to play Auburn. They stretch no you. Everyone can shoot the three. They put up 35 threes a game. If they're hitting... Wow, I didn't realize that. Oh, yeah, they shoot more threes than anybody. They they made more threes this year. They broke the SEC record for most threes made in a season. Like, they just fire at will. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a team you don't want to play. No. So, but yeah, and so to me, like, the, 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 the uh, round two matchup versus... Kansas, Kansas versus Auburn should be an absolute blast to watch. Must see TV right there. Yeah. Appointment television. Yeah. But uh, what else stands out to you? Anything else in, in Midwest? Um, that Kentucky's playing a high school team. I feel like Abilene Christian is a high school team in every <laughs> in every state. <laughs> they take the best of all the high school players and they put them on this college team. Yeah, <laughs> from all the Abilene. Well, I'm I'm saying like legit, and I know there's an Abilene Christian in Pennsylvania that is a high school team that has a good basketball program. <laughs> and there's I one just, in Kansas. There's one in Kansas. Well, there you go. Yeah. Abilene Christian. It's a high school team. Um, they couldn't convince another D1 program to actually want to play Kentucky in the first <laughs> round. Yeah. So, a couple of things that stand out in my mind about this: North Carolina. Has I, I I think he's got to be one of their better players, if not their best shooter at minimum, is a for a pit transfer. And it's funny I didn't even realize he left Pitt. I'm watching them at some point in the season, early on with my son, and I'm like, wait, Cam Johnson, he's playing well for them, mm-hmm. and he's shooting lights out for them. Mm-hmm. How do I know him? And it was my 12-year-old that said, Dad, he was playing here at Pitt just a yeah. couple years ago. I was like, Wait, how did he get 
to North Carolina. <laughs> you know, obviously, transferred. I'm not sure that's. I'm 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 conflicted. You know, typically I should hate a kid like that. What do he leave Pitt for? But I I, I, I remember him being a good kid, and yeah. part of the reason he left was that there were some there was some team turmoil, and he was surrounded by some kids that weren't really on the straight and narrow. And, sure. You know, he just really wanted to be focused on basketball, and I, I can't hate on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he's a solid player, and he and like I said, uh, word on the street is that character-wise, he's just a really good dude. Um, so yeah, just I'm I'm liking Cam Johnson. I'm, yeah, I want to see him do well. No, I I like him too, and and I think his was one of the situations that was not handled well, right? I think Pittsburgh blocked him from going to the ACC, and it took like right. six months for the you know for the NCAA to resolve. So for like. Those situations, I almost feel for the kid more. It's like they're kind of caught in the middle of it. Absolutely. So, yeah, I agree. I, I agree. think part of the reason why, not that this is that interesting, but I have some inside info on not on the player's side, but on the admin side. While he was going through the process that he was going through, Pitt was also going through a, a significant amount of turmoil with their AD leaving for Oregon. Mm including some of the assistant ADs. So, you know, it was literally one of those situations where it was like an assistant AD, no real AD structure in place because no replacement had been named. And it was people that really were kind of playing a guessing game as to what, do we help this kid or do we not? What are we supposed to do here? What's traditional? You know, I don't think anybody knew. And, And no, he probably had not. A single adult really supporting him. And there was flux in the coaching for the Pitt team. I think he probably looks at the fact that Jeff Cable is now the coach and maybe says to himself, that might have ended up being a good situation, but how could I be mad? I'm in North Carolina with Roy Williams. You know? Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree. That's, that was so. Yeah, uh, that's interesting information. Yeah. But he's, he's, he could score. He's got that long, lean, athletic body that could get above a lot of his defenders, mm-hmm. even on the perimeter. And uh, I really, I, what, what I did not appreciate about his game when he was in Pittsburgh that I saw him display these last couple of weeks is his court vision. He's not mm-hmm. just a scorer. He can really see his teammates and get them the ball. Yeah. And, uh Yeah. I think North Carolina is an interesting team with some players that I don't necessarily think are going to make much of a difference at the next level, but make up for a good college team. Yeah. Well, I, so only one thought on that is I, I mean, Nasir Little is going to be a a lottery pick next year. Yes. Um, So you do have one of those players on the team and you got guys, like you said, like Kobe White's probably a draft pick, but Luke may probably not a place in the NBA, you know? Uh, I think Kobe White also though, like he's he's probably a draft pick because his hair gets him attention, <laughs> and he's super fast. But I think he's one of those kids that's not going to really be able to hang at the pro level, because I think it's like his speed right now is what keeps him, yeah, above the fray or above the you know most of the talent he faces. But that speed isn't going to be all that special at the next level. Yeah, well, you have to back it up with something else. You have to have a great shot or something. He, or great and he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But 
I don't like I don't like his game. You know what? I I'll admit it. I don't like his hair. <laughs> Cut that hair. How could you run? It's kind of like what if a dude in the pool, you know, swimming in the Olympics had some big flowing locks like that. You'd be like, "All right, dude, it's it's holding you back." You know what? It's holding him back in basketball too. You don't just have to be trying to glide through water for your hair to be an impediment. Get rid of that stupid hairdo. All right, I'm done. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, let's let's wrap up. <laughs> but on that note, you know, UNC. We talk a lot about Duke. UNC beat Duke uh, twice this year, um, yep. and and arguably probably should have won that last championship game. So for for all the hype we give Duke, UNC, UNC is pretty darn good. Um, and and what I like about UNC being good is that they're not doing it with the you know, three of the perennial lottery picks here. Mm -hmm. They're doing it with team play, being well coached, sticking to their scheme. And more than all of that, playing with some serious heart. Yep. Those guys are just playing hard every possession. Yeah. They want, they, they have that. I want it factor more than most teams they're going to face. Agreed. Agreed. Um, looking through the rest of the bracket, I, I am pretty interested to see the UNC Utah State game. Uh, I'm not convinced at all Washington can beat Utah State, so that that'll be a fun game. But then you got you got Auburn and KU waiting for UNC below that, and then you got Kentucky and the team that I think is extremely extremely exciting is Iowa State. Just won the Big Twelve championship. They have four guys that can shoot the three, that can stretch the floor. Um, Taylor Horton Tucker is an NBA prospect. I, I mean, I'm super high on Iowa State. I got him going to the Final Four, my bracket. So, really? Yeah, yeah. You've got Iowa State coming out. Wow. I got I got Iowa State beating okay. Houston, Ohio State, Houston, Kentucky, and then beating Auburn to get to the Final Four. I think Auburn can take out UNC. I like it because of the ballsiness of it. I have, <laughs> I do. Um, I think Kansas is having its, you know, obviously one of its more down years. I like Auburn a lot, but I don't think they have the overall stamina and athleticism to get past a, such a bigger North Carolina team. Um, and then coming out of the bottom half of that bracket, I have Kentucky. So I went one and two, but I did take Kentucky over North Carolina. So I have a number two seed coming out of this bracket wow gutsy move you I taking know. a two People seed down on kentucky i'm sorry you taking a two seed man well i didn't go one seeds all around either but um i think unc is one of those teams that's built to sputter out interesting okay a lot of heart carries you a certain distance but i do think they lack talent across certain parts of the floor. Okay. Um, so final four, who's your final four then? And who's your national champion? I mean, I'm happy to work backwards because I, I think most people are going to be on the same page. I think Duke wins it all. Duke is in my final four. Um, 
And yeah. I'm looking through three different brackets that I wrote down here, and I can't remember which one is my final one. Go ahead first, and I'll figure out from here which one is mine. So, so out of the South, I got Virginia, the number one seed. I got, and out of the Midwest, I have the number six seed, Iowa State. Uh, out of the West, I have Florida State, the four seed. And obviously, out of the East, I have Duke. I have Duke playing Virginia, and Virginia winning the national championship. Wow. I think this is going to be one of those stories where Virginia goes from having the worst outcome possible last year, getting beat by the 16 seed, to winning it. Well, you know, I mean, obviously Virginia got beat by the 16 seed last year. This. I forgot about that entirely until you just reminded me of that. (laughs) That's right. So talk about chips on your shoulder. This is what's right. going to carry a team to the national championship. And they have the talent and the coach and the um, pedigree to do it. So I think they do it. I've got Duke, Kentucky, Florida State, and UVA. Okay. And I have Kentucky playing Duke and Duke winning it all. Beautiful. As I was putting that down on paper, I had flashbacks of my senior year. I think it was my senior year in high school, watching Christian Leitner hit that turnaround at the foul line after one of the most epic NCAA games I've ever watched. So good. So good. Uh, And being heartbroken because Duke was the last thing I wanted to see win. Mm -hmm. Um, This time, I've been... Largely because of my son paying such close attention to high school basketball and telling me about Zion Williamson for the last three years before he ever stepped foot in North Carolina or on on Coach K court. Yep. Um, It's hard for me not to just buy in and be part of the hype. Um, I want to see this kid do well, and not just him, but him especially. And uh, I want to see, for the sake of the hobby, quite frankly, that kid come in as a number one overall pick, having just won a national championship. It's going to cost $8,000 in a case break of hoops to buy whatever team gets him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I can't can't wait to track that stuff. I mean, Luka Doncic is one thing. Right. This kid is going to take everything to another level next year it's gonna be insanity i can't wait um okay cool i like it well let's quickly we're at an hour this is what we were trying to aim for um let's talk quickly about the contest that we're doing for everyone so 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 good news We're, we're gonna do a bracket contest we'll throw the details out on twitter but um thank you to the following breakers for stepping up and providing gift certificates to uh to give to the winners of the bracket contest and so we got multiple 50 or 100 dollars gift cards from the following breakers top shelf breaks crack and wax mojo break buck city breaks prestige worldwide and 702 breakers all stepped up to give gift cards for the contest uh we're doing a straight bracket contest i'll have the details again out there log on fill out you can fill out a max of two brackets and what we decided to do is we'll give the first place overall winner um, three random gift cards from those names. The second place will get two random gift cards. 
and the uh, the worst bracket of the of the contest will get a another fifty dollar gift card from one of the breakers on that list. So should be fun. Basically, that gives us the ability to point you out and laugh at you for having had the worst bracket. <laughs> but you actually do get something as a consolation prize for being the butt of the joke. That's right. Well, you get to jump in the room and use a <laughs> gift card, and then people get to mock you in the breaking room too for wherever you end up, end up winning. Yeah, <laughs> why are you here? Oh, you had the worst bracket. You took St. Mary's to win it all? All right. So... So yeah, should be fun, man. I'm excited to see how you and I compete against each other. And our kids. Let's get our kids in on this. Well, my son has already asked if he can get involved. I said, you know, I think you can fill out a bracket and we'll track you, but I don't you know, if you win, you, you gotta definitely forego the prizes. No. Our kids are our kids are eligible. I'm saying that right now. Our, if our kids win it, then the other guys, the other grown men entering, don't deserve that gift card. <laughs> <laughs> Or grown women, I should say. <laughs> men or women. There you go. <laughs> um, oh, man. So it should be fun. I'll, uh, I'll get the details out um, in the morning, and we'll be good to go. Look for it on the Breaker Culture Twitter feed as of uh, late morning tomorrow. Yeah. Um, get your brackets in. That's right. Uh, they have to be in by when? They have to be in by the play-in games or by no, Thursday? By Thursday tip-off, so Thursday about 1130 Central. Okay. Yeah, so we'll yeah, play-in games are – Whatever. Um, I, I do want to say one thing before we wrap up. Uh, we did get a uh, – we got a, a, a interesting Twitter question this week. And we get we get some of those throughout oh, yeah. the week. And I thought uh, – it was one that I, you and I entertained over a phone call. Um, it was from MJ. Oh, I think it's question. Yeah, Wicked Liquids I think is his Twitter f- uh, handle. Okay. And it was more so a comment about what is our response to the fact that football cards have done – actually really really well uh you know we we went off the beginning of the season talking about kind of the downfall of the football card market and how it's a tough market to invest in and uh he just kind of said we'd love i'd love to know your response to kind of how things ended up and what do you think's causing it so we have some really interesting thoughts but we're going to save it for our podcast later this week you okay with that yeah, absolutely. I don't think we can have the time to do it now, but um, I definitely like the teaser, both for MJ who made the comment and for folks listening to this, knowing that we're going to dive deep into a conversation about football values and its overall value in the hobby as a whole. I think it's an important conversation. I think we have a couple of things to clarify as far as our opinions are concerned. No doubt, no doubt. And, and I'll just leave you with this little nugget. Out of, out of the 30 major releases from Panini in football cards this year. So we'll set aside Leaf products and we'll set aside any of the collegiate products from Panini. Of the pro football releases, 30 out of 30 of those products, current market price is above the release price. Wow, interesting. Mm. <clears throat> so Definitely deserves some analysis. Wax prices don't necessarily correlate to good singles prices i'll just say that exactly (laughs) so anyway all right we'll catch you this week on twitter thanks so much for listening have a good one see you bye